We've been looking back and looking up. And we are now looking forward to some of the new things God has in store for us. Old things are going away to make room for the new. Author Lisa Elliott says, Living things grow, growing things change, and there is no growth without change. everybody hallelujah we want to welcome you to this service this morning coming to you from Lawrenceville Georgia World Outreach Church for all nations to those of you joining us online we welcome you we thank God for you and I keep on saying it I miss you praise God so find the time to join with us and uh, just so we can have a wonderful great fellowship amen and to everybody in the audience, whether here or online, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. Amen. Are you guys excited this morning? My goodness, what's going on? Hallelujah. Amen. Over 2,000 years ago now, the Son of God made a grand entry into our world to take away all fears, all pains, all sins, and to give us the great exchange so that we now can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Great news, hallelujah, praise God. Again, Merry Christmas to all of you. And at World Outreach Church for All Nations, we are building strong families and serving global communities. Now, I have a lot to unpack this morning, so let me just dive right into it. All right. For the past few weeks now, we've been looking back with Thanksgiving, looking at the things God has done, looking at the things we need to adjust, and then we looked up to God to reflect, to find out, God, what are the next steps? And today, finally, we are going to begin to unpack those next steps as we look forward in faith to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Like the lepers of 2 Kings chapter 7, we must not allow the fear of the unknown to freeze us into inaction. But we must trust God as he leads us to navigate the godly changes he wants to bring to our lives as individuals, as professionals, in our careers, in our families, and of course as a ministry. Change! is more than a part of life. Change is life. As you heard in the walk on, author Lisa Elliott made a statement which I think is very, very poignant. She said, living things grow. And growing things change. And there is no growth without change. Now, of course, change can cause confusion. It can cause stress, anxiety, and fear. 
Therefore, it only makes sense that our first inclination to change is to resist it. The old is better. Why change? If, it does, if it's not broken, leave it alone. <laughs> the only one who's unchanging is God himself. Although he, God, changes people. So very quickly, let me just go and talk about God of new beginnings. We have a new covenant, which is a new beginning. Jeremiah 31, 31. I'm not going to go to the scriptures. Let me just go through this quickly because, like I said, I have a lot to unpack. He gave us a new commandment in John 13, verse 34. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he made me and you a new creation. Oh, I'm going to read one, though. Then in Colossians 3, 10, he gave us a new self. In Revelation 21, we read of the hope of a new heaven and a new earth. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, we learn that his compassions are new every day, and they do not fail not. But let me read one verse of scripture. Isaiah chapter 62, verse 2. New covenant, new commandment, new creation, new self, new heaven, new earth. His compassions are new every day. Isaiah 62, 2. Please give it to me. In the, thank you very much. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness. Can I hear an amen? amen. <laughs> Praise God for that. And all kings your glory. Why? You shall be called by new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. So now let's, let's move on further. Why does God, the God of new beginnings, why does he want to do something new in our lives, in our ministries, in our families, in our jobs, in our careers? Why? Why does this God of new beginnings, why does he want to do something new in us? Now let me tell you this. Whenever God wanted to do anything that's significant in the earth, he changed the names of the change agents to reflect the changes is making. We go to the beginning, we see Abraham became Abraham. Why? Because God was intending to bless all nations through a family. When as of the time Abraham was childless. So he called him, he changed his name from Abraham to Abraham. Abraham means the father of nations. Why? Because God was looking to do something new in his life. Then he changed the name of Jacob to Israel. Why? God was showing through that that he would bless the nations through Israel. Israel as a nation was to become a missionary nation through which God was going to reach the rest of the nations of the earth. Having power with God and with man. We go to the New Testament. We see God change the name of Simon Barjona, a.k.a. Peter. <laughs> he changed Peter's name to Cephas. Why? Because he took Peter from a humble beginning. And he, Peter, will become the foundation and the leader of the church in time to come. So God gave him a befitting name to show where he was taking him to. Amen. Then we saw he changed the name of Saul to Paul. From Paul came from a very impressive Hebrew background and Jewish name, Saul. He was renamed Paul to fit the nature of the ministry to the Gentiles. 
Now, many of you guys that came from across the seas, we identify with this. I'm talking about the African immigrants. Many of you have names this long <laughs> that will not fit on any application or resume. So like Saul to Paul, you change your name from these long names to Joe. So people just call you what? Joe. Because if we were to call your real name, we're going to have a serious mouth attack. So what did God do? God changed Saul's name to Paul to fit the nature of the assignment he was giving him. Now, what am I leading to? I'm leading to the fact that as we look forward, world outreach short for all nations as we know it as of today will change. There is change on the horizon. Amen. This change is not a rejection of who we were. Rather, it is a redirection of the future that God has for us. Now, for those of you that are here and those that are watching online, the new name is da 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 not today. <laughs> Not today. That's why we've been telling you, change is coming. There's an announcement next Sunday. You don't want to miss it. We're going to roll everything out. And along with that announcement, there are going to be gifts, takeaways. And for these gifts, you have to be present to get it. We are not selling it by FedEx or by UPS. You cannot get it by proxy. You have to be here in person. And by the way, it's going to be first come, first served. Amen. So just, just beautiful, 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 beautiful. Amen. Now, let me just give you a snapshot of our road to this rebranding. How did we get here? How did we even come up with this idea of what's happening? Number one, well, yeah. Rebranding was one of the critical things that we identified as a ministry when we did a SWOT analysis in January of 2020. If you ever go back to that document, you're going to see it in there. However, when COVID-19 hit in March, we totally lost sight of that rebranding because we were just trying to pivot, trying to just make the adjustment. What do we do? How do we do it? We, I mean, so everything was just put on the shelf. Until we began to do the series of teachings on mental health challenges. The day we did a kingdom conversation with Sister Ibadi, immediately I sat down, I got a text message from Dr. Victor Oladokun. Now, before I tell you what we said, let me give you the context of who this man is, for those of you who do not know him. Victor Oladokun currently is serving as a senior advisor to the president of the African Development Bank in Cote d'Ivoire. Prior to that assignment, he did a run with the Christian Broadcasting Network, CBN, where he was a managing producer. And he produced, among other things, the program called the CBN World News Turning Point. He's a very highly accomplished media and communication professional. 
with extensive global experience in corporate communication, PR, branding, broadcasting, multimedia, journalism, and leadership. Enough about that. I've known Victor now, oh man, several years. In fact, he's minister here in the church once, and he ministered to us in the leadership at Gosim several years ago. So I know him very well. So, but he called me. First, he sent me a text, and I, res I, res I responded to the text. And he said, Pastor Bank, oh, wow. Thank you, for, thank you for the kingdom conversation, blah, 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 you know, we went on and on. He said, but I have some observations I would like to make, if you don't mind. Oh, I said, sure. So it made this observation, and then I just, I just realized, I said, wait a minute. Everything this man is saying, I'm not the one to execute or implement it, the things he's talking about. Because of my own technical, what shall I say? Uh, I don't want to call it handicap, technical expertise. <laughs> Everything he was saying was above my pay grade. So I said to him, I said, Victor, you know what? Let me bring the guys online together with you so we can hear together what you're saying to me because I don't want anything to be lost in transmission if I'm sharing with them what you're saying. So we had a meeting on Zoom. And he went on and on and on and on, gave us some good ideas, good things. He commented some things we're doing that, we, that he thinks is very well. And then he asked this question. He said, by the way, Pastor, what does work fan mean? I said, excuse me? He said, work fan, as an acronym, is known to all of you guys that are at home, that are a part of the ministry. He said, but when you say work fan to someone who's not a part of you, what does it mean to them? Whoa, nobody's ever asked me that question before. As he said it, immediately, God gave something to me that became crystal clear. The words are containers. If I said to you a dog, immediately, what happens? You begin to imagine in your mind a four-legged animal. If I said snake, right away, the word snake conjures a meaning, you know, some creepy thing crawling all, all over the ground. So when you say work fine, what does it mean? I knew right away that I was cornered. He said, now, he said, that's one thing. He said, if you don't want to use your acronym work fine, you go to your full name. He said, but now, pastor, I have a challenge with that. He said, because by the time you finish pronouncing your full name, the world is over. World Outreach Church for All Nations. I said, oh my gosh. Now, the reason that resonated with me, just truly, is because even for me, I mean, it's gym, and my fellow gym people come to me, oh, pastor, where do you go to church? Before I can call the name, what are you for? I'm tired. I need a break. He <laughs> said, Pastor, I want to suggest to you that you need to rebrand and rename yourself, not losing your core principles, your core vision, and maintaining whatever it is God has given you. Now, mind you, like I said to you, in January 2020, we already agreed, we already said we are going to rebrand. However, that rebrand was only a logo change. Now, this guy challenged us, and we began to pray. We began to seek God, what are we going to do? And I must acknowledge at this point, those that I do call the work fine engine, 
Work Fun Engine. This is a group. These are a group of young men and women in this congregation who for, oh, I don't know how many months, maybe even a year now, have been meeting every Wednesday night to discuss how we are transiting in the COVID, how we are marketing ourselves, the changes we are bringing in to have a better worship experience. That group is led by, Shade, no, by Grace Onodipe, Gift Ogunwale, Kunle Akimola, uh, Toshe Akimola, uh, Gift, did I miss Gift Ogunwale? I mentioned already. Who, who am I missing? Pardon me? Oh my goodness. I'm a barista, Toby Shoyebo. These guys, I'm telling you, we we'll pray, we we'll get some ideas, we we'll throw it to them. And they come back, they critique it, they slice it, cut it, paste it. As we're going through this, let me, let me give you an idea. <laughs> Victor challenged me. He said to me, Mr. Pastor, the new thing is that ministries and uh, corporations are going to simple names. He said, Pastor, have you ever heard of Amazon? I said, yes. He said, Amazon is Amazon. It's not Amazon for all nations. <laughs> he said, have you ever heard of Microsoft? I said, yes. It's not Microsoft for all nations. Wow. How about Nike? I said, yeah, I've heard of Nike. How about Apple? He began to throw out all these names. And as he threw them out, wow, that's true. That's true. Simple, simple, simple. Recognize. Simple, simple. So he said, believe God for something simple. Okay, the first simple name I got, I ran it by the engines. By these young people. You know what they said to me? They said, Pastor, this sounds like a freight company. <laughs> Right off the bat, I said, oh, Okay, I need to go back to pray. And then when we finally got a name, we did a logo that I loved. We asked them to look at this logo. You know what they said to us? They said, This logo looks like ATT. Now, I'm sharing this because you need to recognize. I don't know where you are in your life, in your journey. I don't know what you're doing. I want you to know you are not a local champion. You need sounding board. People who are aware, who understand what Israel ought to do. People who are uh, subject experts in their own different ways. Bring them to, to the table. Run your ideas through them. Let them give you feedback. Because these are the people who are representing us out there. One of them said to me, he said, Pastor, I'm glad you're finally thinking of changing this name. I said, why? He said, because since I was a baby, this is the same name. And then they said this, hear this. They said, we've been ashamed to invite our friends to church because of the name of our church. Yeah. True story. True story. So we're here praying, jumping, shouting. And people in Gongji, I can't tell anybody about this place because I'm not proud of it. Amen? So, why do we rebrand? Why? Number one, to target new audience. Number two, because the current brand is dated. Number three, because we're in an era of sound bites. This last election, 2016, should be a great reminder of what sound bites can do. Everybody, all the pundits agree, 
that Hillary Clinton was the most prepared candidate ever to run for president of the United States. Very prepared. Good, 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 well prepared. But her message did not resonate because it was a thesis. You have to have gone to Kennedy School of Government to understand what she's saying. The other guy, on the other hand, he just had a sandbag, MAGA. Make America great again. I, I may not know how he's going to do it. I don't agree with what he's going to do, but I got the message. So we are living in an era of sound bites. If it's too long, nobody's listening. It's just that simple. And then, of course, we, I mean, people rebrand, corporations rebrand. We are rebranding because we want to change the narrative. I remember an airline called Value Jet that was renamed Air Tran in 1998 after I had a plane crash in 1996. Nobody wants to run to go buy a ticket on the, plane, on the airline that just had a plane crash. So what did they do? They changed from Value Jet that crashed to Air Tran. They rebranded themselves. And then ultimately, Air Tran was bought by Southwest Airlines in 2019. Now let me just go very quickly. Praise God, my time is, 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 is working. Let me, go, let me go very quickly to see a few examples of name branding, name rebranding that we're all familiar with. Give me Pepsi, Pepsi Cola. How many people here drink, drink Pepsi Cola? No Pepsi Cola drinker here? Look at Pepsi, look at Pepsi. Look at how they started in, 19, in 1898. Top left, that was their logo. In 1905, they changed. 1906, a little more change. 1940, a little more change. Second line, to the left. 1950, look at, look at the drastic change from the first line to the second line. 1962, they changed again. 1973, they changed again. Now notice how many years the interval. 1991, they changed again. The lowest bottom, the bottom line. 1998 to the far left, 2003 in the center, and now their current logo is what you see, to the far right on the lowest line. Why were they changing? Because they're trying to recapture a market share and tell a different story. And with a different story, they, made, they did a rebrand that matched the story they're trying to tell. Okay. I know you guys don't like Pepsi too much. How about McDonald's? Are there any McDonald's eaters here? <laughs> Look at McDonald's. In 1940, their very first original logo was the one you see on the top left. Then 1953, they went to that one in the center, top. 1960, look at what they did. 1975, on the bottom, left. 1992, I'm loving it. Look at it right there. <laughs> and today, just M. That's it. That's it. Plain and simple. So this confirms what Dr. Victor was trying to convey to me. The fact that every so often, corporations rebrand themselves to meet the challenge of the season and time in which they are living in. Very, a few months ago, Facebook announced a rebrand. Did anybody miss that? 
Facebook is now going to be called what? Metaverse. <laughs> I said, who? Meta. 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 All right. Let me now get to the part of this message that concerns all of us. And that is that we are branded to change the world. Amen. We are branded to change the world. Branding speaks of identity and reputation. Back in the village where I came from, it is easy to recognize a particular tribe by the marks on their face. And immediately you saw that mark, or branding, if you will, you knew what tribe they belonged to, and you knew some characteristic about that particular tribe that you didn't have to guess about. Why? Because the branding represents identity, where you're from, or who you are, and reputation, what you do. Now, the birth of the Son of God that we just witnessed yesterday that happened over 2,000 years ago is the greatest rebranding that has ever happened on the face of the earth. This was the greatest manifestation of God's extravagant love to humankind. And as we read that Christmas story, which I read several times between last week and today, there were so many unlikely people who played a part in the story of the birth of Jesus. Please pay attention. This really, really concerns you and I. They provide, this, all these people, all these characters, all these Christmas characters as I like to call them, provide for us a stark contrast of cultures. That's good versus evil. They provide a stark contrast of kingdoms, light versus darkness. They provide for us a stark contrast of brands, righteousness versus unrighteousness. Now, let's go to the scriptures now in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, let me read from verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 1 says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Stop right there, stop right there. In the King James Version, that word genealogy is replaced by the word generation. So let me read it one more time. Matthew 1 1. Man, you guys are smart, fast. Thank God for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> they are rebranded already. <laughs> Watch this. The book of the generation. Of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Wow. Jump now to verse 18, back in New King James Version, verse 18. Thank you, Jesus. 
Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So let, let me just stop here for a Let me just pause here for one second. The Bible says Mary was discovered to be with child. How? How was she discovered? What happened? Joseph is in carpentry shop. I don't know what he was making, maybe a cabinet or sawing the wood, whatever he was doing. And this little timid girl walks in that he's been engaged to. And if you understand anything about Jewish engagements, this lasted about a year. But from the moment she was betrothed to him, as far as Jewish customs was concerned, they were married. Very much in the same way as Africans do what they call traditional weddings. It was a done deal. So, of course they didn't have texting. There were no emails, no Instagram, no Snapchat, none of that stuff. Snapchat, okay. Okay. I'm here, I'm hearing my coaches on the sideline. <laughs> you can tell how social media savvy I am, amen. I just give myself away. None of that. She must have walked into his shop and said to him, hey Joe, we're gonna have a baby. What? You are who? Now, you see, I, I'm breaking this point up because we read these stories and we have removed ourselves from the original setting. And therefore, we are not able to appreciate what Joseph and Mary and others did in order for Jesus to come. So Joseph said, are you kidding me? Who in the heck is the Holy Spirit? You are pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Again, again, we don't appreciate this because as of that time, God had been silent in Israel for 400 years. From the last verse of Malachi to the first verse in Matthew was a period of 400 silent years. No prophetic utterance, no TBN, no TV 57, no Dr. Nofia preaching, none of that. They had absolutely no godly point of reference for 400 years. And now, the book opens the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David. And then Mary was discovered to be with child, and she has the audacity to tell Joseph, is by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph is a carpenter, not a priest. He knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. So he said, okay, ah, Holy Spirit, okay. Holy Spirit will be the Father. I'll put you away. But because I'm a just man, Because I'm a righteous man, I will not do it like you would do it. Because had that been me, 
I will not be like Joseph. If that was you, how would you do it? But Joseph's priority, as pained as he must have been, as disappointed as he could have been, his priority was not self, but Mary. Ah, you don't understand what branding does. Branding, we are branded to change the world, but we will not change the world based on our current narratives. Joseph said, you know what? I don't like this. I don't like the sound of it, but I'm going to prioritize you. I don't want you to become a public disgrace. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to cancel this engagement secretly. Now, in verse 18, let's read on. Verse 19, verse 19. Then Joseph, being a husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away. Look at verse 20. But while he thought about these things, not only did he not want to do that which most of us will have done, he wanted to prioritize this woman, Mary, but the Bible says he thought on these things. The question for me and you is, what is there to think about? A woman that you engage to walks in on you, tells you she's pregnant, and it's not by you. What else is there to think about? You and I would have just said, okay, all right. Give me my dowry back. Go to your father's house. Let me go find the next one. That was not Joseph. Not only did he not want to put her away publicly, the Bible said he thought about these things. He gave a thought. Father, what has happened? Is there anything, anything I'm missing in this story? Can you help me understand what's happening? And as he was thinking about these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Perhaps the reason we don't hear God as often as we ought to hear him is because we are too rash, we are too rash in making some decisions. We don't ponder. We don't think, think it through. We make a decision based on our own feelings, and there it goes. And the angel does not have the opportunity to speak into it. But watch this. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David. My goodness. The point I'm making now is, what made Joseph change his mind to not secretly divorce or put away Mary? Why? Why the change of mind? Because we already read that he said he was going to do it but secretly, but now we are told while he was thinking about these things the angel appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David do not be afraid to take you Mary, your wife to take to you Mary, your wife for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit and I pray that God will help me and you to understand what I'm saying this morning particularly right now so that together we are branded to change our world, but the only way we are going to do so is we must understand what Joseph understood. What made Joseph change his mind? Was it a promise of a bigger carpentry shop? Was it a promise of a nice house? Was it a promise of all the things Joseph may have prayed for or believed for? Was that what changed his mind? No. 
No. What changed his mind is that the angel of God appealed to his lineage. The angel of God appealed to his identity. The angel of God appealed to his royal ascensory. Joseph, comma, son of David. In other words, Joseph, you are not an ordinary man. Hey, Joseph, you have royalty in your blood. And therefore, as a royalty, there are certain things that is totally, completely contradictory to who you are. If you can understand your identity, what God has done in you so that he can do things through you, if you can understand that, it will change the way you see your world. Joseph, you are a royal person. I'm appealing to the royalty in you. You are the son of David. Ah, that would have been good enough. But the point is, there were many sons of David. So as good as that was, look at what the angel had to do. He had to call him by name. Joseph. I'm not talking about Charles. I'm not talking about Stephen. I'm not talking about Bank. I'm not talking about Larry, Justin. No, 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 no. Joseph, Joe, Joe, Joe. Now you, it's you. It's you. Joseph, comma, the son of David. <laughs> My friends, God has your name. No matter where you are in your journey. Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 10, I know my sheep by name. God will not bring something to it as generic. No, he know you by name. Bank, Joe, Stephen, Charles, you are, I know you. I know, I named you. I know you by name. I know you by name. He knows you by name. In Acts chapter 9 verse 10, he told Ananias, go to the house of Simon the Tanner. You find there a man by the name of Saul. Precise information. You are going to tell me that something is happening to you that God does not know? You are going to tell me that something is happening to you in the sad corner that nobody knows that God does not know about? Are you telling me? Who created you? Who made you? Hallelujah. Jehovah God is branding you and I for a purpose. In that Acts 9:10 passage, when God talked about Saul, not you see in that passage that not only no Acts 9:11, Acts 9:11, not only does he know Saul by name, he knew what Saul was doing. He said to Ananias, "Go to the house. You will find a man by the name of Saul. He's praying." Are you kidding me? You don't. You think God does not know what you are going through now? If you knew that Paul was praying in that precise time, do you not know that God knows what you're doing right now? He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows what you're feeling. He knows your pain, your sorrows. He knows your joy. He knows your challenges. He knows everything about you. You are not an accident waiting to happen. Absolutely not. God called you, put a name on you, but more importantly, gave you his identity. It was the identity of Joseph that was brought back to his attention, that caught his attention to say, oh my goodness, oh, 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 now I know what's going on. Yeah. 
the ID or the identity, or if you will, the branding, because identity is branding. The branding of Joseph helped him to align himself with the purpose of God for that time. But that was not all. Read on. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 now. Read on. Matthew 1 21. Thank you, Jesus. So he first appears to Joseph's lineage as the son of David, having called him specifically by the name Joseph to make sure the angel was not mistaken. Then he goes on to say, and she will bring forth a son, and he shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through their prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So two things happened to change Joseph's mind. Number one is identity. Number two, scriptures, the word, the word. Oh, we don't nearly get as excited about the word anymore. We are excited about so many other things but the word of God. The very thing that has the ability to change your life and change the trajectory of where you're going. We don't get excited. But this is what changed Joseph's life. And by implication, my life and your life, you're going to see in a minute. This is what changed his life. First, the man, the angel told him his identity and then gave him scriptures to back it up. Scriptures. If Joseph was not familiar with the scriptures, how will it resonate? He was familiar. Isaiah 7.14 is the scripture the angel quoted to him. He was familiar with the scripture. Oh, wow. The Lord shall show a sign. A virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son. Oh, my goodness. This is it. I am the one chosen to carry this out. This scripture, my friends, in this new rebrand, you and I must become students of the word of God. We need to become wordsmiths. My God. Before you turn on your social media, get the word. Get the word. Get in the word. Get in the word. And get in the word more. The word of God is the only thing that's going to last. It's the only thing that's going to stay. In the beginning was the word. And the word was God. And the word was God. If you don't get the word in you, you will just be barely existing. You will not thrive. But God is binding you to thrive. And therefore, the only way you're going to thrive is, number one, know who you are. Because your internal identity, which is who you really are, translate into external behavior. Your internal identity, when you know who you are, the core of who you are, when you know that, it translates into external behavior. That's what helped Joseph. Immediately recognize, oh my goodness, I'm royalty. I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. Then I'm going to act like a child of God. But if you don't know who you are, you act like everybody else, but who you are. You may not feel like it. You may not even uh, sense, sense it, 
But once you embrace it and believe it, you'll be amazed what begins to happen inside of you that translates into external behavior. Internal identity translates to external behavior. In other words, you change from having to to wanting to. Huge difference. I have to go to church. It's different from I want to go to church. Or shall I say it a different way? I have to be the church. It's different from I want to be the church. Have to means something is compelling you to do it. Wanting means there is an inner desire that's saying to you, this is who you are. Just enjoy it. Be who, embrace your humanity. Embrace who you are. I rather want to do something than have you to do it. Amen? Amen. I rather want to exercise than having to exercise. That should help you right there. Because when you get to the point when you have to exercise, you're in serious trouble. That means you've been to the doctor. (laughs) You've gotten a doctor's report that you don't like. So now I have to exercise. I have to change my diet. When you get to that point where I have to change my diet, you're already in trouble. But before you get there, want to. I want to change my diet. I want to exercise. Amen? Amen? Big difference. Big difference. So number one is identity and the scriptures changed his mind. But just so you can understand how we've so taken this whole Christmas story so flippantly, let me help you understand why Joseph did not want why Joseph did, why Joseph wanted, wanted to put away Mary secretly, privately. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, Exodus 27, give, it, give that to me, please. Exodus 27. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless. Who takes his name in veil? Okay? Of course we know we are not under the law. But at the same time, the principle of what God is saying is simply this. In other words, if I'm going to call myself a believer, if I'm going to call myself a Christian, then I cannot use that terminology loosely to put a label upon me and say, believer or Christian, and act in a way that's contrary to what that means. When you do that, you are taking his name in vain. And just so you understand that this is not just the only scripture. In Acts chapter 9, in verse 15, give that to me please. Acts 9, 15. Hallelujah. Thank you. But the Lord said to him, this is concerning Paul, Go, for it's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. What's God saying? That Paul was going to bear his name. Bear his name as in, represent him. Represent him. So it's not a trivial thing to be called a believer. It's not a trivial thing to say, I'm a Christian. There's a responsibility that comes with that. The world is hungry to see Christians who love and serve others as Christ loves and serves us. Hungry. But the point I'm making right now is you need to appreciate what Joseph actually was doing when he wanted to put away Mary privately. 
Why? <laughs> the faith of Jesus, the Son of God, hangs in the balance if Joseph didn't do the right thing. Let me let that sink in. Because I don't have time to read it in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 21. There was a law in Israel that if a woman was betrothed or engaged and discovered not to be a virgin, they stoned her to death. Then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of the father's house. And the men of her city shall stone her to death with stones. Because what? She has done a disgraceful thing in Israel to play the harlot in her father's house. So you shall put away the evil from among you. Do you guys understand this implication? If Joseph had announced Mary is pregnant, translate in Israel, she's a harlot. Because in those days, it's not what we do today where you marry somebody, you could just marry, you just go, no, no, no. After the marriage, they want to confirm, well, is she a virgin? It's unfortunate that they only put it on a woman, not a man. It's terrible. It's terrible. But in Israel, they verify and they hold the father accountable. Your daughter that you gave in marriage is not a virgin. Are you kidding me? And the punishment for that was to bring her out and the men in the city would stone her to death instantly. So if Joseph had not been a just man, what he would have done was to bring Mary to the front of her father's house and the men in the city would have stoned her to death. Hello? What would have happened to the Son of God in her belly? The Son of God <laughs> would have died without coming to the earth. Now you can appreciate how God selectively went through ages of time and came and landed on Joseph and said, Joseph, you the son of David, you are qualified to be the father of this child. Why? Because you are a righteous man. Because had that not been so, all this Christmas celebration, your trees, your manger, nativity scenes, all of that would not have existed. Because Joseph would have blown it. But thank God, he did not. Amen. Last point I want to make is that it was not easy for Joseph and Mary to say yes to the angel and to God. Because you and I, we read the story, we go to Macy's, we go to Coach, we go to Men's Warehouse, we go to Toys and Roy's, we buy our toys, it's Christmas time, oh, we're thinking about the toys we're going to get and the gifts we're going to get, Really? Do you know what it cost those guys to say yes to God? The branding that will change the world. Number one, Joseph and Mary had to give up their reputation. They were shamed in their community for a sin they did not commit. <laughs> really, you're pregnant by Holy Ghost. Really, all right, yes. Yeah, we know, we know, uh -huh, we know, we know. We've always thought about you. We knew something was wrong with you. <laughs> now we know, we see it now. The evidence is sure. You're carrying something in your bed. Shame! 
Because it's not like this society now, where every Tom, Dick, and Harry has a child. No, no. It was a honor society. Honor and shame society. That's what it was. So for them, they had to live with the ignominy and the shame of a sin they did not commit in their community. Think about that. Think about that. When you buy your next Christmas gift, think about that. Number two, they had to give up the comfort and safety of their home when they had to flee to Egypt. You think that was easy? A businessman whose business was carpentry, which means he had a shop. He had a carpentry shop. And all of a sudden, the angel says, take the child. Because Herod is seeking to take their life. Run. At a moment's notice, you could not negotiate, like as you guys do today. They offer you a job, you say, okay, uh, yes, you offer me a job, $150,000. Okay, can we make it? How about bonus? How about stock, uh, stock options? You're negotiating. Really? Joseph didn't have the chance to do that. The moment the angel spoke, he packed his bag, packed his wife, packed the Son of God, off away goes. Totally removed from the comfort, comfort of home, family, friends. Not knowing where it was going and the safety that he will have there. Live with the shame. They give up the comfort of, and safety of home. And lastly, and this is a duty, this is a biggie. They became responsible to raise the Son of God. <laughs> Ooh, I've raised three children. And many of you are raising many of them. To now have the burden and the responsibility that I'm raising the, the son of God. Are you kidding me? Every time a saw cuts a bruise in his hand, is the son of God going to die? <laughs> it's serious pressure. Do you know what it is to raise a kid? But in this case, they're not just raising a kid. They are raising their son of God. And they did so, so that one day you and I, like them, can be branded. Amen. Now, this is my last and final closing. There was another character that's mentioned in this story that we must not ignore. His name is Herod. Herod, who when he heard that a king was born felt so threatened and like the brand that he carried which is the brand of evil that he got from Cain the first evil brand in the scriptures was Cain a murderer the first evil brand in the New Testament was Herod another murderer when Herod found out that another king was born, are you kidding me? Another king that would take my throne? Never. What did he do? He told those wise men, go and find out where this child will be born so I can come and worship. Notice, notice the language. The devil will use the language you're familiar with. The devil. He knows all the things you're saying. He said, how are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. He knows it. 
He knows it. He knows, he knows, he knows your religious lingua fraca. And at the opportune moment, he will use your language against you. Herod told them, let me come and worship. Did they really mean to worship? No. He's a liar. He's an evil man. He's a murderer. And so what did he do? When those guys tricked him and did not return to him, he gave an edict to kill all kids in Bethlehem two years and under. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the cry in the city that night? As kids, innocent children are being slaughtered. And then you say to me, Pastor, why are you bringing this up? I'm bringing it up because for me and you, if you are to choose our Christmas heroes, we'll be choosing Joseph, Mary, Simeon, Anna the prophetess. Some of us may even choose the angels. We will never choose Herod. And yet, paradventure, there's more Herod in us than we like to admit. <laughs> there is more Herod in all of us. Whether you like to admit it or not, what am I talking about? What was Herod's problem? His problem was that he felt threatened that there was another king that would sit on his throne. What threatens you and I? Why can't we not obey God? Why will God say to us, pack your bags and move to Thailand tomorrow? Why are you going to dilly dally? Why? If God said, empty your bank account right now in this service, would you do it? Why are you lingering? You know why you are lingering? You know why I'm lingering? Because there's a Herod. There's a Herod. Herod. Who's Herod? Herod is this entity. Even though we said we gave our hearts to Jesus, but he still sits on the throne of our hearts. By remote control, he's the one telling you what to do. He resists Jesus all the time. Herod, the Herod in us. The Herod in us. When God says, don't marry that woman. Don't marry that man. Ah, no, no, you don't understand. This is the, this is the girl, the lady of my dream. I've been dreaming about her for the last 19 years. Really? 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 Herod. Herod is threatened by Jesus. Because the way Jesus enters into our lives... It disrupts our power. It's not asking for permission. <laughs> Herod is a picture of all of us. Yeah, he is. Did the angel ask permission from Joseph? Joseph, uh, would you agree to be the father of uh, the son of God? No. When God went to Abraham, did he ask Abraham, 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 hey, Abe, 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 my friend, Abe, uh, will you be the father of nations? No, he didn't ask permission. Why do you think he's going to ask you permission? To do his kingdom business. Why does the creator of the universe, why does he need your permission? Because there's a Herod locking inside of you. Herod. Herod that does not want to be challenged. Herod that does not want to cede and give away power. Herod that's saying, I'm in charge. Where are you in charge? You're not in charge. God is in charge. And so this Christmas season, if you're not born again, give your heart to Jesus. You need to be born again. 
But that's not all. After you've given your hearts to him, now give him the gift of your heart has his throne this Christmas season. Give him the gift of your heart. Let him sit on the throne of your heart and begin to lead you and guide you and speak. Because you know, he knows your name. He knows what you are doing. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. In that Matthew chapter 1 again, it says, this is the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David. In verse 14, the Bible says, from Adam to David were 14 generations. From David to the exile, 14 generations. From the exile to Christ, 14 generations. Pastor, what are you saying? Fast forward, 1 Peter 2, 9. You are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. Hallelujah. You are a special people, a holy nation. He has called you forth. Or, shall I say, branded you that you may show forth his praises. You are branded for change. You are branded for glory. You are branded for progress. You are branded to show this world, this real, true Christmas, the Son of God. Are you going to do it? I want to pray now. If you guys will minister that song for me. As I pray, as they sing this song, really, let, 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 me, give it, let me give it a call first. As they minister this song, you may be born again, but Herod still lives on the throne of your heart. That's the prayer I want us to pray this morning. Because if you can dislodge Herod, <laughs> the rest is history. God will have his full cause in our lives. Let us pray now. Let us, as they sing the song, let God speak to you. Are there areas of your life that you are still holding on to that you not allow God free reign? Are there areas of your life you have not surrendered to God? This Christmas season, give him the best gift you can give him. The gift of allow him to sit on the throne of your heart. So from there, he can lead and guide you into the incredible exploits that he want to see happen in our generation. So as they sing that song, as they minister that song, if that is you or me, you need to come now so we can pray, so we can touch and agree. The order is over.
If, I, if you know what I know in the spirit, this order should be full. I'm not calling you wicked or evil. I'm saying on this Christmas Sunday, if there are any areas of your life that you are still holding on to, that you need to give over to God so He can reign and do exploits with your life, you need to be here. That's what I'm saying. And on that note, all of us have some hair on. There are areas of our lives that we've not totally surrendered to him. Yes. Yes, Lord Jesus. and families watching online and making the same call from you, for you wherever you may be. You may be in the beach, hotel room, you may be having lunch, dinner, whatever you're doing, wherever you are. The same call. This Christmas season, give control over to him. Let Herod move off the throne of your heart. Let Jesus be enthroned. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. God wants you to see him, but you will only see him to the degree that Herod is not distracting you. And so right now, I want to pray a simple prayer of faith to all of those who have heeded this call. Who wants to dethrone Herod and enthrone Jesus, the Son of God? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word that came to us expressly this morning. We acknowledge the incredible sacrifice of your son Jesus as the greatest manifestation of God's love for humankind. You made him to be seen, him that knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Yes. So in and through the cross of Jesus, we have the great exchange. Yes. You exchange our sinfulness for your righteousness. 
And so this morning, we embrace our identity as the righteous sons and daughters of God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you that we know that we are accepted in the beloved. We thank you that we know that we are complete in you. We thank you because you've made us perfect in and through him. In the name of Jesus Christ. And now, oh God, because we have given you our heart, we now want you in all of your might, in all of your supremacy, as the throne owner of God, as the king of all the universe, to come in and live in our hearts and be enthroned in our hearts. We, in Jesus' name, dismantle the thrones of this world. The throws that Herod has built in our hearts, the appetites and the desires and the things that are of this world that has totally, completely not allowed us to behold you. We dismantle them. We uproot them. In the name of Jesus, Herod no longer rules. He no longer wanted. He's no longer king in our heart. Jesus, come on in. Hallelujah. Take your place. Take your honor. Take your glory. We enthrone you, God. Have your way in and through every last one of us in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that this Christmas season, we give you this gift. The gift of the throne of our hearts. Use it for your glory. We thank you, Father. That we are branded to change the world. And the world we will change in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. story we are told a wise man came to find baby Jesus and that when they had come they opened their treasures and worshipped him with their gift that is the most befitting thing we can do right now so rather than just receive an offering I want to worship with an offering I'm asking you to join me to worship the king of the universe. Hallelujah. As we've just dethroned Herod and we've enthroned Jesus, the son of God, let us worship him with treasures, 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 treasures. And so if you just give us the uh, giving information, thank you, Jesus. You see, if God 
can get it through you, he will get it to you. If God gets to the place where he can trust you, where he can get gifts through you, he will get it to you. This Christmas season, let's worship the King of Kings with our gifts, remembering that he died for the sins of the whole world. We have missionaries in Thailand, in Myanmar, in Ghana, in Nigeria, all across the world. And we are serving a community here at LOM, Love Outreach Missions, helping the distressed among us. That's what Jesus came to do. And of course, we have to keep the lights on. So let's worship him this morning with treasures from our hearts that will glorify him and honor him in Jesus' name. We love you and don't forget, we'll see you next Sunday. Over to you, Bishop.